I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is Fly Purbly with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Two guys so desperate for hockey that they're calling Brent Fedek every hour on the hour until the season starts. Man, imagine having money. Like, just imagine, like, looking at your bank account and having more than, like, $70 in there. That would be pretty sick, right? <laughs> like, just... Well, uh, imagine having money, looking in your bank account, and having more than $70 that... or uh, Like, when I have more than $70, I look at my bank account and say, well, this has got to go to this <laughs> bill. This has got to go to that bill. And then, Imagine that feeling, like, having, like more than more than four digits and knowing it's not go or more than three digits and know it's not going all to bills yeah yeah sometimes i look at my bank account when it says like 87 dollars. i'm just like cha ching and then i go out and just uh buy a bunch of fast food a couple of cars we're going more, arby's uh, baby yeah <laughs> roast beef sandwiches on the house <laughs> just go up to Arby's, act like at the bar. I'm gonna buy everybody in Extra here one Arby's sandwich. <laughs> oh man, what is Arby's like? Big sandwich? Like, what is their Big Mac? Do we even know? It it's roast beef. They gotta be making I, I some kind of money because name for it, but they just hired H. John Benjamin to be in their commercials, so they gotta be making they're making that type of money. Oh, they're making Bob from Bob's Burgers kind of money. Yeah. Yeah, the, the can from Wet Hot American Summer. And uh, he, he's been in a lot of home movies. Uh, Archer was big for a while. Oh, my God. He was an Archer. Yeah. He's a family guy, too. He's been in stuff. You can't argue that. He's definitely been <laughs> I in. I love stuff. H. John Benjamin. I love him. Yeah, I do, too. He, I think he's the only person that I, it doesn't matter what he says. It's just like because of his voice. It was amazing. Voice. Amazing skill. It's him and, and Patrick Warburton, of course. Uh, Putty. Oh, my God. For yeah, that is those true. Of you that, yeah. Yeah, he does have uh Oh, God. Why has nobody casted that show? Just those two guys, like Ray Romano. Not funny, but distinct <laughs> voice. And then, like, Ray Romano. I don't know, Fran Drescher. And just had the most insane vocal cast in the history of television. <laughs> I can't even fathom it. And... <laughs> I, I won't try to do the impressions Don't here because I won't do them justice shit. in yeah. any way, shape, or form. It's just like, I, I can't pull a, well, imagine if this actually happened, because it's just impossible to imagine this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those guys, everybody's got their, uh, who are the people that are probably most, I feel like everybody has a Michael Tyson, Mike Tyson, Michael Tyson, Mike Tyson. A Michael Tyson. Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
Wow. Uh, Baraka. So a lot of people trying to do Baraka impressions now too. I feel like. I think those are like the big three. I'm trying to do Mike Tyson, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Barack Obama. Like I feel like those impressions. I feel like everybody. Those are the impressions that are like the go-to impressions. I feel like actually, and everybody's trying to do a Trump impression now. Trump is actually yeah, Trump's bigger than. Except everybody's Trump impression, and this always happens when an SNL actor really like defines a role. Everybody's doing the Alec Baldwin impression of Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. But and that's how it always is, you know. When George H. W. Bush was in, everybody was doing the Dana Carvey impression of George Bush, yeah. and so on and so forth. Well, uh, Daryl Hammond did Bill Clinton, right? Yeah, and so did Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman, yeah. And then Will Ferrell did George Bush. And, right. And when people did George W. Bush, it was the Will Ferrell impression of George W. Bush, which I, I is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's, it's not the actual person. Somebody really found what made that impression tick and everybody embraces it from there. So, you know, the, the strategery. <laughs> <laughs> Heck of a job. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> What is what is that noise, Craig? Are you feeling yeah, okay, buddy? Right into the mic. Uh, you know, I'm feeling. I felt better. I just have that. Uh, hockey's back, and I guess I got that hockey fever. <laughs> you got that hockey fever. All right, that's that's what the doctor said. No, right? I am. I am. I have. I have like the cold or the flu or something. But I'm getting over it. I'm just uh, still a little congested and still. Uh, Still got I believe that it's sweet... Flyers fever, for the record. Flyers fever. You got to get the alliteration going. Still got that sweet, cold, like, sweat going on. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped about this app. Yeah, yeah, Flyers fever, baby. Did anybody in the 70s make, like, a funk song called Flyers fever? I am sure Dave Schultz made that. Didn't Dave Schultz had a hit, didn't he? Like, in the penalty box or something like that. I have no idea. Is this yeah, we well, better look this. I he absolutely had a song. I'm pretty sure it's you look that song. up, and right. <laughs> I, I need to know. <laughs> I need to know if this was actually a thing. If Dave the Hammer Schultz had some sort of penalty box theme song back in the 1970s in the <laughs> Bullies age. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, I'm gonna see. Tell me if you can. Dave Schultz, can you hear me? Can you hear this? No. Okay. I'll pull up my phone real quick. But we should uh, let's keep talking here. <laughs> this is this is compelling, compelling tent right here. <laughs> yeah, the the good old looking it up tent is always the best tent. Looking it up tent. Look it up, Steve. Yeah, I got it. Um, I'm still pulling it up on YouTube, but uh, yeah, I'm a. Uh, doing all right uh i you know i have full disclosure I, I plan on watching the rookies game tonight and then uh my feed wasn't popping up and it was like 6 20 and i was like i guess i'm blacked out of this and then i went to twitter for updates and then uh about like an hour and a half later i woke up in my chair and i was like i whoops <laughs> i guess i'm <laughs> guess i'm sleeping through the rookies game so and I worked late, so I didn't see the rookies game. So uh, lots to talk yeah, about. So from that. Th thanks for listening, guys. Uh, as usual, we are professionals, and we are happy to bring you top-notch. And now, here's a song, by the way. Hold on. Dave Schultz, can you hear me? Can you hear it? I can now. Number eight, Dave 
Wow. This is gold. This is gold, but it's not. I want a funk song. I want like, did you catch the flyers fever? There's like, I mean, there's a heavy bass in there. It sounds more like ragtime. It does sound more like yeah, ragtime. I feel like Dave Schultz. No, I want a funk song. I thought Dave Schultz would have, we got to cut this off for copyright. I mean, I'm not trying to get into any kind of fight with. Do you want to get sued? Dave Schultz. Um, but I felt like there would have been a... <laughs> Dave Schultz could probably, you know, still find a way to kick your ass. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's got half his motor skills now, but he can still take it to me. Um, I was going to say, I felt like it would have been like a kiss, like a kiss, kiss, uh, a kiss spinoff. Something like that. Well, kiss is the kiss spinoff. So but, Kish yeah. would perform the song. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about this rookie's game. Let's talk about Let's these talk rookies. About this rookie no, more, no more, Davey. <laughs> I'm yours. So the going to the penalty box. The Flyers rookies eventually uh, painful loss last year in the rookies game against the Islanders, where they blew a three goal. This lead. was a sore spot for these rookies. They've been thinking about this all year. It's the only thing they talk about in meetings. Yeah, it's the only thing Hexel's been talking about. He's forgotten the play- Penguins playoff series already. Listen, we could talk about the Wayne Simmons contract some more, but let's talk about this rookies game. Yeah, thank God. Something else to talk about. Um, Oscar Lindblom obviously did not look like a rookie, and it looks like he is down the clown for this season. He had three goals, a.k.a. a hat trick, and a pair of assists. Uh, So he had points on five of the Flyers' six goals tonight. Uh, Wow. uh, Mikhail Vorobiev and uh, Morgan Frost each had a goal and two assists. Carson Twarinski had a goal and one assist, and then Philip Myers had an assist. Philip Myers' play was a pretty good setup for uh, Oscar Limblom as well. And uh, Limblom scored two goals like six seconds apart, I believe, in the second period. And then the Flyers also had a pair of goals nine seconds apart in the first period. So uh, a couple of uh, quick strikes in there, and uh, you know, tilt the momentum of the game, taking it to the Islanders rookies. Uh, and That's what you Hart, want to see. Hart uh, apparently looked pretty well. Had a nice series where he made about three saves in three seconds in the second on a couple of rebounds. And uh, Liam Hughes looked all right as well, one of the camp invites. And that's, uh, yeah, that's what I got from Twitter and from the highlights that I saw in the gift that Broadstreet Hockey, a.k.a. our website, uh, tweeted out tonight. So nice job, Brad. <laughs> And uh, everybody else I follow on Twitter, nicely done. Thank you. And uh, I am sorry. Sorry I am sick. <laughs> sorry I am sick and giving you 100%. I mean, how much analysis can you really give to a game where rookies play other rookies? It, I, I think tough, the big yeah. ta- the big takeaway here is that Oscar Lindblom dominated like a in a game that he should have dominated in. And that's an awesome sign. Yeah, yeah it looked really, really well. Uh, I guess maybe you'd want more production out of Phil Myers, but it sounded like he played pretty well in terms of uh, positioning and doing the little things right, which is obviously going to speak volumes to Hextall and Hextall. I did. Uh, Torinsky is a guy that has been interest- interesting to me for a while because Torinsky had the feel of when Hextall drafted him that he was not going to be a guy that was going to stick uh, with the organization. Kind of like when he drafted Samuel Duff McFalls and you were kind of like, I don't understand this pick. And then a couple of years later, he wasn't signed, and he's out outside the franchise. But Torinsky, uh, kind of, I mean, he's supposed to be a bottom six guy that, you know, I guess the numbers aren't too kind to him in terms of possession. And he had a monster year last year in juniors. 
it was his uh, plus two uh, year at their shaft here, but he still had 40 plus goals and 72 points in 68 games. And he hasn't reached that level of goal scoring any other level, but maybe, you know, I, I mean, I, I want to see what he does in the AHL this year. And I think he has a role down there. And I, for being a fourth round pick, that's uh, considering that two of the best players in tonight's game were Vorobiev and Torinsky. Actually, I'm not sure if Torinsky was a fourth round pick. Vorobiev was a fourth round pick. Pretty sure Torinsky was a fourth round pick. I'm blank right now. It's, uh, it's all this sweat and uh, take a quote into my head. <laughs> but Sounds considering sexy. these guys are, thank you. Uh, considering these guys are, you know, mid round picks and they still are working their way up the organizational ladder and can still one day be regulars in the NHL just speaks to what uh what Hextall has been building here and how it's just gonna be a lot of building um from within third round picks. So my apologies. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Maybe second. Okay. Well and um, it's my understanding that what Hextall's been building is a mediocre bunch of boring jerks. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, if you read Twitter, that's exactly what's going on. I forgot, Torinsky was like the fifth pick in that Flyers draft because they drafted uh, Roops off in the first, and then they had three picks in the second, which were Pascal LaBerge, Carter Hart, and uh, Wade Allison. So, that so was, you just uh, split the difference there. Yeah, you know, I was like... You yeah. heard five picks, yeah. and he was in the third, so you said fourth. Yeah, I was like, he's got to be... Yeah, it feels like a fourth-round pick. But I mean, still... Third round pick is, uh, I mean, he's doing pretty well for a third round pick. Uh, we'll have to see, uh, see what he does in the AHL this year. So this, Lindblom killed it. Ruby F and Frost looked really good. Myers looked really good. Hart looked really good. Uh, Torinsky looked really good. And I think, I, I out of those guys, I think Torinsky is the most intriguing one to me. I feel like those other guys are, are locks to be on the NHL roster one day. And I feel like Torinsky is working his way there. Uh, I'm interested to see when he'll be a regular, though. Right. He's one of the more outside guys. He's not one of the top guys you talk about. So he's trying to work himself into that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, it's going to be tough in the bottom six because, I mean, Ferrovia is not even likely to make it this year in the bottom six. He has a chance. And he, he, even Frost, who I know you were, were pitching on uh, Monday. Uh, oh yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I mean, he's not even the like, guarantee to make the the bottom six this year. So it's this is, I mean, this is what you want to see. It's just a, a a real fight to make the roster just within your your pipeline. So, uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You want these guys to fight. You want these guys to give Ron Hextall and Dave Hextall every reason to you know consider them staying up with the team and really think long and hard before they send them back down to the minors. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that sounded like a weird point, but I, I think this year, I had to look it up, but the big camp invite, like I remember the big camp invite at uh, this game last year was Ivan Kozarankov, and I don't think there were any other camp invites that played. I could be wrong. But uh, this year, I believe Balmas played. Uh, Mitchell Balmas, who was a teammate of German Rubisoft during the Memorial Cup run with uh, Katie Bathurst, Teton. The germ. A little Fortnite going on. Um, but he had he had 42 goals last year, 72 points in 68 QMJHL games with the Teton and the Gatineau Olympics. And then he got traded to the Cape Britain Screaming Eagles. But he, uh, they had known about him for a while. Uh, I mean, 
we had known for a while that he was invited to camp. I think it was announced around the uh, draft that he was going to be invited to camp. Uh, and I'm, I think he played tonight. I think Igor Zamolo played tonight. Who had 18 points in a very nice amount of games with the Regina Pats and the Calgary Hitmen last year. Uh, and he was he was intriguing to me because he was ranked 64th in the Central Scouting Rankings for this uh, this year's draft. He jumped from 100 at the midterm rankings to 64th. So usually those guys get attention. And Hextall's a big fan of guys that kind of rise in uh, draft stock heading into the draft. So I, I looked at him a little bit going into this draft. And I, I was surprised he went undrafted because when you look at the rankings around him, uh, 63rd was a center named uh, Curtis Douglas who went in the fourth round of Dallas, and then Cole Fonstad was ranked 65th who went in the fifth round of Montreal. So you would have thought, and Wyatt Wiley was 71st who went to the fifth round uh, to the Flyers. So you would have thought a guy like this who had jumped up uh, pretty high from midterm in the final rankings too, he would have been taken by somebody, but ended up being undrafted and Hexall right on the camp, and he's kind of a bigger defenseman, but I apparently had some plays tonight. I saw Bill tweeting it out that he did a pretty nice play. So uh, those two guys played. Uh, I think Hunter Holmes played as well. So right there. Oh, yeah, actually, no, all five of these guys ended up playing. Uh, Hunter Holmes, Bradley Lalonde, and Liam Hughes. Liam Hughes, we, we already talked about. There's not too much to go on about him. He had a 9 or 9 save percentage and had 16 wins in 36 games with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, who weren't that great of a team. They made the postseason, but they got annihilated by uh, Carter and the Everett Silvertips. And then uh, Hunter Holmes, 148th in Central Scouting, uh, 20 points in 40 games last season for the Flint Firebirds in the OHL. Did you say the Flyerbirds? The Flint Flyer, Firebirds, who almost were... I mean, I like Flyerbirds. Uh, kind of... Yeah, we, we should make a team called the Flyerbirds. <laughs> but the... The Flint Firebirds, who are almost named the Flint Tropics, which I'm really up, still upset that that did not pan out. Like, apparently there was legit con- consideration that uh, the Flint Tropics would be a name for that team. It got down to, like, <laughs> Firebirds, Tropics, and one other team name. And I remember the hockey news being like, well, if this could happen. <laughs> and Folks! I, <laughs> uh, he, but Hunter Holmes also feels like a guy that Hexon Company would be a very big fan of because he does. Uh, he's a two-way player. He's a playmaker who likes to pass first, uh, and is positionally sound. Although he didn't put up a ton of points, so Hunter Holmes feels like a guy who's going to be in the Flyers organization. <laughs> Solid <laughs> name too. Solid name. Yeah, not a bad name. Uh, and then the last guy is Bradley Lalonde, who had 57 points in 60 games. As a defenseman for by Como Drakir in the QMJHL. I don't know if I'm saying that wrong, but if I'm not, it's French. Uh, Dracar Noir. Yeah, That's yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, Dracar yeah. Noir. Oh, oh. Marie Um He also finished 11th amongst... <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you had for dinner? <laughs> oh, no, that was me speaking uh, French, so... Uh, he... Oh, that's right. Yeah, was it uh, a McDonald's night or uh, Arby's or... <laughs> <laughs> it was... Tonight was, uh, I don't remember, oh my god, I had some uh, some salmon actually, and I had uh, oh. some Sour Patch Kids after that, so. Um, no Marie Calendars for you tonight. No, not tonight, it was a fancy night for me, because I'm sick of shit. Uh, 57 points in 60 games though, <laughs> going back to this, and uh, his five, Going back to hockey, I guess. Five on five numbers are pretty good. Uh, at a 63 defenseman in the queue that 
played in six games or more. He finished 11th with 24 five and five goals and six with 131 five on five shots. And he's going to be playing at Concordia University next season because he was 21. So the big names out of these guys were, I thought were going to be Mitchell Balmas and Hunter Holmes and Igor Zimola. I wasn't really too into Lalonde or Hughes, but uh, I don't know if they made. I don't think any of them made too much noise at the camp, but I just like seeing. I just like seeing the multiple invites to camp, rookie camp. I guess uh, you may as well take a chance on these guys and see if you can answer the prospect pool. Kozarenkov was, I think, better than any of the guys that made it to camp this year because he was an overager and he put up a lot of goals in the QMJHL. But still, you know, you might be able to find a guy just out there, kind of hanging out and not involved with the team. This is this is the time You've of year. You've got nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah, I think this is the time of year. We might be coming up. Uh, I think it was three years ago to the day that they signed Philip Myers because he was undrafted and just kind of out there, and they got to look at him. So you might be able to find a guy that can be have that much impact on your organization that was undrafted, so may as well get his look as at as many of these guys as he can. But uh, rookie camp is done now, concluded with the game. Uh, and regular training camp starts on Friday. And at that camp, the Flyers will be down one defenseman because one Andrew McDonald is out six weeks with a lower body injury, which he suffered during no! training camp. <laughs> yeah, man. Mac Daddy is out for a while yet again. And no. according to my math, oh, the, the starfish himself, <laughs> according to my math, six weeks from this past Sunday is August 21st. And the Flyers will have played eight games by then. So the Flyers are expected to miss or have uh, McDonald out for at least eight games. And of course, that opens up the question, who is going to fill in for McDonald now? Well, can I break this down for you as the uh, the kind of the layman's term here? Go ahead. I'm going to chug some Gatorade while you do that. So I'm going to mute myself. I'll be the layman. Oh, you, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. chug that Gatorade. Right. So from the simple, I might not be the most studded Flyers fan out there, but I... <laughs> you're a casual why, Flyers why fan. Southern? If why I'm the think? casual Flyers fan, here's is your breakdown for this. Okay. I don't know why Southern lawyer with his suspenders <laughs> well, and his seersucker suit. Good, sir. I, I might be a simple man, but I am a lawyer. <laughs> um, so Southern lawyer, anyway, ca- casual flyers fan out there. Okay. This is the understanding of the situation. Max out. There's really two options, right? Two, three options. Yeah. There's the safe conservative choice. And there's the, Let's give the kid a chance, somewhat riskier choice. And then there's a hybrid between the two, which I am not a fan of. And it sounds like one Charles O'Connor is not a fan of. But real quick before we delve into this, I don't know why your Southern voice reminded me of. Did you ever see Maine Justice on SNL? I might have, but I don't remember. It was, it was Jason Sudeikis was a judge in Maine. And they had like a court show in Maine. And he would just say obnoxiously Southern things. And then, like the defender, would always be like, "I don't, you're, I don't get this. Like you're in Augusta. Like what is, what is happening?" <laughs> and I gotta just, check this out. This sounds right up my alley. He's talking about like alligators and like eating gumbo, and they're just like, 
what are you what's here what's happening <laughs> but it was a it was a classic so yeah uh i have a feeling um i think it's just gonna be fully like i feel like that's... you think they're gonna end up going with the safe choice here because they could go with myers i hope for... it's myers and also at the same time i think i'm just bummed out because just telling you this before the show i don't really see like if myers comes up it'll be great for him to get a couple games uh, and it'll be great for him to kind of prove that he deserves a shot to stay with the the Flyers and not be demoted to the AHL. But at the same time, if McDonald's healthy, I don't see them choosing to sit McDonald and play Myers over him. Now they could. Uh, Hag will be on the, I think it's going to be on the bottom pair with Gudis. Now what could happen is when McDonald comes back, they can just put McDonald in the lineup for Hag because the Hagstall has shown he was willing to sit Hag. So if Myers plays out of his mind for eight games, that could happen. Um, so I think that'd be a likely pass. But I think one way or another, I don't think McDonald's going to get played out of a spot. Uh, that's pretty much where I'm sitting. And I think Foley might get a look just because they brought him in, and they kind of Hextall had some comments about him possibly being on the penalty kill, and I think they might want to see him on the penalty kill. And I mean, this is why they like brought him in to be the seventh defenseman, I guess. But I don't know. The last couple of years, uh, young guys have proved themselves at like camp, and then Hextall has rewarded them. I think of uh, connecting a pro off. And then and uh, I think the thing is, if you go with Myers through those first eight games. It's it's seven, eight games, first off. So you're getting a great look at what he can do in the NHL level. Yeah. And it's fantastic from an evaluation standpoint. Uh, the other thing is you're likely going to have to send a guy through waivers if you go through Foley because you have to have your seventh guy in the press box, your emergency guy. And, you know, it'll probably be like TJ Brennan or somebody like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not okay. It's not the end of the world if you lose TJ Brennan right. going through waivers, but why risk it and yeah. why go with the safe choice? I, I and it's up to Myers. Myers, this is do or die. This is sink or swim. This is show me what you got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, I agree. And I think and the thing too is it's not uh, you know, it's eight games, and when you think of uh past opportunities for young guys to make the team where everybody wanted to get a nine game tryout. Uh, it wasn't contract related. Like if uh, Myers ends up playing in these nine games or eight games, he's not going to be sent back down to juniors. He's just going to be put in the AHL and it doesn't have to go through uh, waivers. So I think, I mean, if it ends up being Foley and TJ Brennan sits in the press box, that's not the end of the world, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think Hexel is going to risk uh, losing Brennan at all. Uh, right. and then, I think he likes Brennan as far as uh, being a, a veteran leader down on the AHL club. One of Hextall's big things when he came into the Flyers was rebuilding the Phantoms, making the Phantoms a viable team again, yeah. not just uh, kind of a scrap heap for fourth liners that it had become under Paul Holmgren. Right. And uh, the the one option that we haven't talked about with that Carchidi, uh, slamming Sammy Carchidi tweeted out, uh, I think last week was that uh, Hextall mentioned Reese Wilcox, which, uh, yeah, no thanks. I mean, uh, Charlie, I know Charlie rattled off his underlying numbers on the show on Monday, right? And they're not 
Yeah, Charlie talked about Wilcox and just that line, no thanks. You know, thanks, no thanks. Like he, I mean, he's his underlying numbers imply he sucks in the AHL. He wasn't that great when he was at Cornell, and now that I, I guess they're, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how. I don't want to dunk on him, but I don't know how a guy like him keeps working his way up the. Well, I mean, I think he satisfies satisfies the eye test, even though he every number of points to the opposite of that, and also. He doesn't look great at times out there, but I, I don't know. Craig, do you think Hextall will decide to say sorry, not sorry, and roll with Oh, my God, dude. Three straight weeks. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I'm going to kill you because we all live in the United Hate of America, baby. <laughs> yes. I, I, I saw he had his typical 10-catch, 13-yard game on Sunday as the Cowboys <laughs> rolled to a stunning 16-8 loss in Carolina. No. What a beautiful, beautiful Dak thing. I was off to a, a banging start. Do you know Dak is elite? <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, my God. I I love the Cowboys. They're so fucking bad. <laughs> How about them Cowboys? <laughs> I just love that. Uh, I love that Dez also trolled. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, there were tweets about how the offensive coordinator didn't talk to the media. And then Dez just quote tweeted it with the uh, crying laughing emoji. So it was... Uh, <laughs> It's already going well in Dallas, but let's, uh, I mean, okay. So the defensive pairs, nothing's going to change for Proveroff and Ghost. I think it's going to become, uh, do you play Sandheim and Gudis and then have a third pair with Hag and Fullen? Or do you go, um, like Sandheim, Hag, Gudis, Fullen? Like, I have no idea what the, the bottom four are going to be, but, uh, Number... I'd probably go Sanheim and Gudis because they did have some time together last year and they were pretty decent together. Yeah, they were they were pretty good. Uh Sanheim and Gudis last year, fifty seven point eleven Corsi four percentage, seven point four eight relative Corsi four percentage. Uh just got unlucky that a forty goal goals four percentage. But I mean that was pretty much Travis Sanheim's uh season in a nutshell at the NHL, where he would dominate in terms of uh territorial play, uh produce produce offensively in terms of chances, but just didn't have the puck go in and his goal is going to make saves. And it wasn't because he was out of position or anything, or he was leaving his teammates hanging. He just, just an unlucky season, uh, just a bad PDO season, which should mean he, you know, gets a little lucky this year, but um, if it is Hag and Gudis, which would mean Sandheim and Fulham or Myers, uh, Hag and Gudis last year, 48.25 quarters of four percentage. Minus 1.73 relative course for four percentage and a 42.86 goals for percentage. So a lot worse, but still a little bit luckier when it came to the goals for percentage. Uh, and I think, I'm, like, again, this is where the third pairing is just going to be weird if you want to see the ideal top four, which would be Sanheim and Myers. Uh, they've played a lot in the AHL, and it would be nice to see it would be nice to see that uh, carry over into the NHL. And the top four, I mean, Provo and Gossipier shouldn't be going anywhere. That should be the top pairing. Right. They were uh, too effective together to change. Why the hell would you change? Yeah. Them? And I mean, uh, you put Sanheim with a guy he's familiar with that is right-handed playing on the right side and has actually been a possession monster in the AHL and should theoretically better, be better than McDonald at the NHL level. Ideally, your top four is rolling, and then you have two, I mean, not really liability, I don't know, kind of liabilities. See, Gudis had a very, very bad ending to the season, 
just unbelievable in that last, especially that last game. Like he wasn't very good in most of the series, but that last game, he just fell to pieces and was a really, really visible scapegoat. Yeah. And like he is, I mean, he's always had problems with uh, exiting the zone. Uh, and he, I mean, he has fine underlying numbers, but it's mainly because he just, he throws every single puck he gets on net, which can help your numbers out. But he is like, I feel like that's an example that people point to when they want to say he can't believe the numbers to a full extent. And I would kind of get it because just, I mean, Racco, towards the end of the year, Racco, I think, was working on not shooting everything he touched, but for a good chunk of 16, 17 and the beginning part of last season, that that's all he was doing. And at times, I mean, that was a big thing with Manning too. That's why Manning pissed me off because definitely like circumstantial situations that I probably focused too much on. But there were times when they would put the Manning Gudis pairing out there with the top line and they'd be cycling in the offensive zone and they would come back to Manning and he would take an on-screen wrister from the blue line, and the opposing goalie would just catch it, and there'd be a whistle, and then there'd be a line change. And it's like, well, why did you shoot that? Like, there was no, like, you're Brandon Manning. That shot has no chance of going in. And he also didn't utilize the screen or any kind of uh, movement to force the goalie somewhere. So, Listen, that's a valuable defenseman. Chicago just scooped him up. There's a reason the Blackhawks have won cups. They know defensemen. You know how you win your fourth cup in a decade? First of all, you trade Panarin. Obviously. You bring in Kunitz. Of course. You bring in Cam Ward. Yeah. You top it off with the dog. You bring in Brandong Manning. And uh, <laughs> you get that show back on the road. So you do. Uh, but I... Yeah, I mean, I think I want to see Sanheim Myers. I mean, it's eight games. And... I mean, Hacksaw's already shown he's kind of all right with pairing two kids together. I mean, Proveroff and Gossespierre aren't exactly uh, the oldest guys in the league, and they played a majority of the season last year together. Real spring chickens, those two. Yeah, and I know uh, Sanheim and Myers, it, it might be too young for him, but still, if it's only eight games and he's playing very well, he's got to, I mean, he's just got to have a good training camp. Is, I mean, obviously, what it comes down to that that changes the whole complexion, and everything. I'm hoping he just kills it and he is hands down like the best defenseman at camp. Right. I wanted to make this a difficult, difficult decision for yeah, the Flyers. Like I, I want Folan to be the seventh defenseman. I don't want him to be the easily accessible guy that jumped to the top four. <laughs> I don't want you him. want Folan to be what he was actually signed to be. You won't, and you do not want him to be the new man dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, that, that's that's what it comes down to. I, I I like TJ Brennan, but I like his role. I I just want him to be. I want him to be the veteran presence in the AHL. It's been working out for the last couple seasons, and I don't want to lose him. I I don't think Hexel is even going to take the chance on doing that either, because. That, I mean, I, I think there are uh, guidelines put in place where you can, you know, if you start telling the team, you're going to have to open up the opportunity to lose him on waivers after those eight games. So I don't know if that's going to be something that Hexel is even going to want to mess with. So, uh, and Reese Wilcox is just, I mean, I mean, if you're going with Wilcox over Myers, I'm going to throw up. 
<laughs> I'm going to throw and up. I'm going to throw well, up. The week I've had with the uh, the cold and the uh, all the Gatorade and all the pills and everything, it might be uh, you know might be on the horizon there throwing up, just passing out. So don't don't do that to me, Hextall. <laughs> just just put buyers in there. Just call it a day. It's more than just a threat. <laughs> yeah, it 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 could happen. Let's be real here, Hextall. I know you. It listen. could happen. Yeah, think about it. <laughs> here's a kind of a an inconsequential thing but kind of a fun thing to talk about as fans who wears the a for the first eight games Ooh. um because look it well, could be voracek he's been with the team a while but yeah, it it's kind of interesting if it went to like a Proveroff or a ghost yeah it was it was philco mcdonald last year i feel like it's gonna go to simmons yeah, like you'd have to put one of them with Simmons, well, right? Simmons has one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, it, if Philpula and McDonald were uh, yeah, yeah, sharing it, they three. were doing the home road split. Yeah, they had three last year. I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, I feel like, I mean, if you were to give one of Provorov or Gossespierre, I feel like it would be Provorov. We'll probably get it for Gossespierre, right? I feel like he feels more yeah. like an... Probably, captain, but... but not necessarily. I yeah. mean, Gossespierre has been with the team longer, too. Could that's also true. be, could also be Kachurbagadurber. Ooh, that's a that's a spicy one. I do like that. Yeah, I feel like Voracek deserves one too. Because I mean, you know, he's the sass leader in the locker room. Oh, he is. He's he's one sassy cat. Uh, <laughs> he's also he's been there. For, <laughs> he's been there forever too. So, and I feel like he does. I mean, that's a good question. Because there are definitely a bunch of options. Even with McDonald in, if you give him one, I'm kind of interested to see what the the third A will be this year, too. Well, this is a team also that we've talked about the Wayne Simmons contract situation at length, and I don't want to talk about that right now. But we could be looking at Simmons moving on. So you're looking at new leadership pumping into this team uh, because there's new blood coming into this team. There's new guys every year. And it's a team that is trying to be younger and is going to be younger pretty much every year for the next few years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it just... It doesn't make it really weird for who should... I mean, do you think... There's no way they would give it to Provost and Ghost, right? I feel like they would give it to... I think they give it to Patrick? No. I mean, could be Katorie, could be Provorov, could be Ghost, could yeah. be Voracek. There's a lot of guys. Yeah, maybe, maybe Katorie. I mean, but I feel like every argument you can make for Katorie, you could also make for Voracek. Like, he's right. been here forever. He's a top line player. Doesn't uh, have many teeth. Doesn't have many teeth. Uh, he is one of the main offensive forces on the team. Uh, and uh, he leaves. It's not fun to be saying that about Couturier at this I, point. I'm very happy that we can say it because I mean I was forever. Well, we both were pretty diehard Couturier supporters through all the um, crazy people that said he was never going to score a single goal in the NHL. And just I never thought he was going to have that type of season that he just had. I thought maybe he'd break 25, but not. I don't think he'd be a 30 goal scorer and take the league by storm i guess but pretty cool that it happened you know what i mean uh i'm interested i'm gonna i'm interested to see how he, he bounces back like i, I want to see what type of season he has this year 
I think he regresses a little bit, but I think he still gets. I think he still breaks twenty five goals. I don't. I don't see how his. Well, especially if he's going to be playing with Claude Giroux consistently. Again. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say I don't think much changes. He's going to be with Giroux. He's going to be driving to the net. He's going to be putting in a lot of greasy goals. Uh, I think just the the fact that he hasn't he hadn't scored that much before. I just think he's not. If he puts up back to back thirty goal seasons. Seems going to be real scary uh, over the next couple of years. But I do want to talk about. I think actually. I think we can go to that right now. Speaking of being competitive over the next couple of seasons, I did want to talk about some of the major uh, front office changes uh, with some other teams in the conference, at least uh, right now. And one of the teams that is probably going to be annoying for a bunch of years is the Blue Jackets. And they have given John Davidson, their president of hockey operations, Yarmo Kikalainen, their GM, and Bill don't call me Barry Zito, their assistant GM, uh, multi-year extensions. So the that group is going to stay together for a while, and they've assembled. I mean, they've put together a pretty good team in Columbus, and if Brofsky ever made a save in the playoffs, they, they might be make a little more noise. And then they also signed John Tortorella to a two-year extension. Uh, so they're pretty much their brain trust is going to be together for a while. And they, I feel like after the Penguins and Cavs kind of die down, uh, it might be the Flyers and Blue Jackets kind of pushing towards the top of the division there. I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it might still be a couple years away because Crosby, Malkin, and Vetchkin apparently don't age at all. But whenever they do uh, die out, uh, I think it's going to be the Flyers and the Blue Jackets, young kids that are, kind of stay on the show and they have a pretty good back end too with Seth Jones and um, oh my god uh, Zach Horinsky and David Zavard and uh, Brabowski oh, yeah. who's a uh, pretty good in the regular season uh, yeah you know he's one of Vesna here or there yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but I do think it's funny that they still don't have an answer for Artemi Panarin who's been rumored apparently he's like he's interested in going to either the New York teams the Panthers or LA but uh, just no sign. And then I saw something about Keith Line saying that uh, he might be traded before the season starts, but, you know, just no no real concrete news on that front, which I find very interesting. I just love that nobody wants to stay in Columbus because it's not on a coast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to be – that is pretty funny, though. Yeah, especially, like, in this situation, that's pretty much what it comes down to because when you look at those four teams, too. Like, I would rather be with the Blue Jackets now than the Panthers, but at the same time, I would 100% choose Florida over Columbus. No disrespect to Columbus, but probably a terrible I think you have some that. disrespect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there's disrespect, but it's Columbus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they also... Oh, no. Oh, no. The, the many people who live in Columbus that listen to Flyers podcasts are very upset yeah, right now. all those... Urban Meyer supporters out there, you know, they can probably, they can take a little disrespect right now. They can all suck one. My opinion. <laughs> all those Ohio State fans, the worst people on earth. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so, okay. So that looks like the Blue Jackets probably going to be around. still be annoying. What might be a more intriguing front office move uh, is Steve Eisman stepping down as GM of the Lightning. And he had, I think this has there's one reaction to this, Craig, and you know what that is? Oh God, here we go. Go go ahead and lay it on me. 
Well. Well. Wow. Well. Wow. Absolutely deserves all of the old Yeah, all the old OWWs. So and I stunner, absolute stunner of a move. So he had uh, signed a four-year extension in 2014. Did not sign an extension this offseason. So I guess people were kind of curious what was going to happen after the 2018-19 season, and it turns out that he is going to be stepping down. Um, And Julian Brizois, I think is how you say that. I'm not sure though. will be the new Lightning GM, and Eisenman will serve as an advisor to him. And it sounds like all the rumors point to Eisenman going back to Detroit, which would make sense because Detroit, in general, is a uh, burning pile of trash when it comes to hockey right now. And I think... Uh, Ken Holland, not good. He, yeah, he's been killing it up there. If you look at their cap situation, it's 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 a prime situation. They have the least amount of cap space in the league, right? Uh, they might actually. I'm not sure. I just know. I looked at cap friendly the other day and they were number one with a bullet. Yeah, that is terrible because they have like if you don't like the McDonald contract with the Flyers, they have like four of those <laughs> with like Danny the Kaiser and Justin Adelkater and just like a handful of guys you wouldn't want on your team. They have locked up for like lengthy contracts and for way too much money. On so, cap friendly, the current projected cap space for the Detroit Red Wings is zero dollars. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, it sucks. Uh, I think it would suck to be a Red Wings fan right now, but also at the same time, I had to watch Darren McCarty score a goal when I was like seven. So I think they're they're do everything that's coming to them, in my opinion. And I hope they don't get Steve Eisman. That's also my stance. I'm taking down the Midwest this episode. Dunked on Dallas. Dunked on Columbus. Dunked on Detroit. Craig dunks on the Midwest. Do we have any strong feelings about like feelings? Do we have any strong feelings about like Omaha or anything? Oh, it's terrible. Don't go. go. Yeah, Louisville. I've Rick Pitino's a terrible person. Uh, that's all I got. Well, we'll come across more stuff. Don't worry. Oh, we'll but, find more. Don't worry. <laughs> We're coming for you, Midwest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it sounds like Irishman's going back to the the Red Wings. He was the vice president there for four years before he was GM with the Lightning, and then also according to the Detroit Free Press. Uh, quote, a source told the free press that Eisman told Lightning players he was going home to Detroit. Eisman has continued to live in the metro Detroit area during his tenure with the Lightning. See, that part but is why? You know, I didn't know he still lived in Detroit, which is kind of insane to do that. Right? And then, yeah. But, uh, I mean, you know, I, I he guess... He RoboCop. Yeah, I was RoboCop. Little Caesar Pizza. He's, he's got a weird taste, that guy. Pizza, pizza, pizza. But, uh... <laughs> I... I, you know, I kind of get why you want to go back there. I mean, he was played there forever. Captain there he forever. was the man. He's yeah. a legend in Detroit. Yeah. So it's kind of similar to the Hextall thing going, coming back. To right. But it, if Hextall had the King's job for years, got them on the verge of winning a cup. And then multiple uh, times. Beast, beast out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking, I was looking at their situation there, um, the cap situation too. After this season, Yanni, Yanni Gord, Andy Androhoff, Corey Conacher, Antoine Strowman, uh, Braden Coburn, and Dan Girardi are all UFAs. And Cedric Paquette, Adam Ernie, Braden Point, Slater Cuckoo, and Jack Dotchin are all uh, RFAs. So, Brisbane is going to have to do some work uh, this offseason. Not this offseason, next offseason. But, I mean, I don't know. They, they seem... 
some of the really like the Kucherov deal was a big deal they've gotten out of the way. Uh, like a lot of the 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 really really big names are there to stay. Uh, the Braden Point situation might be the only really difficult situation that Bridgewell is going to have to handle after this season. But uh, yeah, I mean that's just kind of a big. You know, Eisman is going to help him out this year, but at the same time, every GM is different. So, I he proved that he can assemble a pretty competitive team, and maybe he's going to try and do that in Detroit next. But for right now, uh, looks like uh, maybe Tampa Bay won't be Tampa Bay after this season. Maybe next. Yeah, and, and who knows? Maybe he likes a, a good challenge. It, yeah. it could be that. It could be maybe he again. Detroit is obviously where he made his bread and butter in the NHL. It's where he made his name. Uh, he is a legend in Detroit. So I, I can understand that. I can understand wanting to return that team to glory, but it's going to be a challenge. And to leave an organization like Tampa Bay that he had built up into one of the most respected in the league, uh, a clear consensus favorite for uh, to make the cup every year yeah. for the past, what, three, four years. Yeah, yeah before they uh, capped it up and became the new uh, Washington Capitals. Yeah, they've been, you know. They they really did absorb all the Caps bad mojo. Yeah, they have. Become the new Caps. Yeah, they have. Uh, so they, he saw the writing on the wall there, and he's like, yeah, now nah, I'm good. Yeah, he's like, I'm not doing this. He was like, I watched Alex Evan play hockey. I'm getting out of here. I'm not following these footsteps. Uh, which, uh, I mean, bold move. Good for him. And now he's gonna go watch. Uh, he's gonna go watch Jimmy Howard play professional hockey for a while. And uh, I mean, you know, to each their own. It's a free country, but weird choice, in my opinion. Uh, and that is, I mean, those were the pretty much the big front office moves. I, I just brought it up because I feel like they do kind of relate to the Flyers in terms of their path to the. You know, if they want to get to the Cup over the next couple of years, I feel like. This could help limit Toronto, uh, Tampa Bay's window, and I feel like the big competitor out of the Atlantic could be Toronto now. And I yeah, don't know if be. they're going to be... I mean, that division is going to have... I mean, the Bruins should be good for a while. They could be good for a while. I know Chara, Bergeron, and Creature are all getting up there. But Toronto is going to be good for a while. And they could already be unmatchably good this year, and it's going to be annoying. <laughs> um Tampa Bay is still going to be there for a bunch of years. Panthers, I don't really see threatening that much. The Red Wings. Some people are really, really high on the Panthers this year, though. Yeah, I mean, like, I can see it. They have, they definitely played really, really well down the stretch. And I can see them being a big threat this year, but I don't know if they're going to, I don't know if I see them in the Eastern Conference final, though. Like, I I think they're going to, they, wouldn't beat Tampa or Toronto in a, the playoff series. And they're going to play one of those two teams probably heading into. I don't even think they could take the Bruins in a, in a playoff series. So I'm excited yeah, for all I this. don't think they're ready for that. I'm excited for all this to backfire on me when the Panthers sweep both the Bruins and the Lightning in the first two rounds of the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> but And like the Sabres, I mean, they got Thaline and they added a couple other pieces, but I still don't think they're going to be anything better than the uh, 30 or 31st team. We shall see, though. Uh, you want to talk about the prospects, or do you want to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights? Well, since we're already talking about other teams in the league besides the Flyers, let's, let's talk, talk about, about the Knights right Knights. now. Okay, so 
last time since uh, since the last time we recorded, I think it happened like a day or two after we recorded. Uh, Nate Schmidt was suspended for 20 games for taking performance-enhancing drugs, and it became a big thing because apparently he had not changed up his diet or supplement routine, and then he got busted for this. And somebody that weighed in on how much of like a percentage it was that he got busted for, uh, the experts said that it was a, about the amount of the substance. The equivalent of a pinch of salt in an Olympic-sized swimming pool, which uh, that would kind of get that would kind of suck getting busted for that amount. And yeah, especially when you didn't expect anything of that nature. And I haven't seen like that the amount of pushback that Nate Schmidt and the Golden Knights had was kind of, I mean, not it was kind of uncharacteristic for someone who's been busted for uh, PEDs. So I, I think they feel pretty strongly about it, but I think he's just. I mean, I think he's just going to deal with the 20 games now. Uh, and aside from Nate Schmidt, they have made one of the biggest trades of the offseason by acquiring Max Pacioretty. For... Yeah, and I think last time we were talking, we were talking about how unhappy Pacioretty was yeah. in Montreal. That is correct. And we talked about possible destinations. And I don't believe the Golden Knights were linked. Uh, I think I pretty much said I was scared he might be going to the Penguins. And I this is him. a team that has existed for a year and has been involved in Eric Carlson trade talks and traded for one of the biggest left wings available on the market. So the, the, their aggressiveness uh, and their success is, I, I think, unprecedented as far as expansion teams go. Yeah, and I, I put them with, I think, their projected top sixes. And it's uh, Marcheseau, Carlson, and Smith on the top line, which was a pretty ridiculous line last year and we'll see if they're able to duplicate what they can do and then the second line could be Pacioretty, Paul, uh, uh, Stasny and uh, Alex Touch, Tuck so it's not a bad top six there and you know it's a team that nobody expects them to do really well last year they may have overplayed their hand this this past year like they may have gotten a little lucky maybe riding a hot Marc-Andre Fleury that is definitely not going to not definitely, but most likely isn't going to duplicate what he did there. And they could be looking at a, a large amount of regression, but at the same time, they made some pretty good moves and they could still be quasi competitive and could still make the playoffs again. Uh, I'm, I'm still concerned about the defense, especially if Nate Schmidt is out for 20 games. But uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see how all that pans out. But the trade, so Patrick Reddy, five time 30 goal scorer, uh, did not have the luckiest season i'm not gonna say bad he just he shot eight percent last season but he still took 212 shots so he had 17 goals i mean he just he just shoots the puck he's a broken 300 shots twice and he's had 260 shots uh three other times in his career and the big thing with montreal was they were unsure of a contract extension with him and the the mcphee signed him to four years at seven million dollars a year uh, starting in 2019-20, 2019-2020 season. Uh, and then the the return, see, at first I felt like the return wasn't enough, but the more I'm looking at the trade, I think it. I think it's probably the best that Bergevin could do. And it's really not a bad return at all. Thomas Tatar has had four 20-goal seasons. Uh, he's not a detriment to his team out there in terms of puck possession when he's on the ice. And Nick Suzuki uh, is one of the better prospects across the league. And we'll talk about this in a second when we talk about uh, Corey Prime, who put out his top 100 
uh, prospects of the NHL heading into the season. And Nick Suzuki was 34th. And he's had back-to-back 40-goal seasons in the OHL with the Owensound attack. And he had 100 points in 64 games this year as a as a player in his plus-one draft year. And, Craig, I have to say I did have the same initial reaction that you did. Yeah, I, I just – I don't know. It just felt like they didn't get – like seeing – Thomas Tatar, I guess I didn't realize how much he's produced, and I thought he was more of a liability on the ice. Uh, and also, I know Nick Suzuki was a very good prospect. Like That part I wasn't unsure about. But also, just to not get a first-round pick, I felt like they would have definitely gotten a first for uh, giving up Pacioretty. But, I mean, Tatar's pretty good. He's definitely going to be in your top six. And Nick Suzuki, I think... It's not no prospect is a guarantee to make the NHL, but Nick Suzuki feels like he's going to be a pretty good NHLer one day. So and then he get a second on top of that. Not the worst trade. I mean Bergevin. I mean it's also one of those trades where even if you felt that way, it felt like some people were giving Bergevin the the benefit of the doubt. We were like, oh well, what else could he do? And it's like, well, I don't know if Mark Bergevin's really earned that kind of reputation <laughs> looking at his track history. So uh, it, it it was. Granted, I mean, it was a whole weird situation. And again, I don't know why they felt the need to trade Patch already. But it's like, I just, the uh, Bridge fan is kind of, I just don't get what he's, he's doing something over there. I don't know what it is, but yeah, he's doing, he's doing something. Like, I just, I, I don't know where he's going with it, but we'll, we'll find out one day. We'll find out someday where it's going you know, to end up. So the plan will eventually come into focus and. We'll understand why he traded Shea Weber or PK Subban for Shea Weber. <laughs> we're and... going to get like one of these years, we're going to get another year where Carey Price has like a 956 save percentage. And he's going to drag the worst puck possession team to like the Eastern Conference finals. And everybody's going to be like, oh, looks like Mark Bergevin does know what he's doing. And it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for another 2014-15 season where Carey Price was Bergevin. literally the best player in the league. Now that I think about it, Bergevin does get that a lot. That what else could he do? Situation. He does, but it's like he with the Carey himself... Price contract, which is, yeah. in my opinion, still a terrible contract. Uh, it was the same thing. What else could he do? Yeah, I mean, even I was like, I kind of, I, I remember I was on that side too. Where I was like, well, he was at the time like the best or the second best goalie in the league, and it's kind of like you gotta. It's kind of hard to tell him to go kick rocks, I guess, but you know, right? Not, but I, I don't think you have to give him that contract. That is, yeah, that is a long yeah. contract. It's a long contract for a guy that obviously has a lot of injury histories, and also it, it was made worse by the fact that they have Weber on the books now, and then he went on to make a bunch of really questionable trades, like Domi for Galchenyuk, and the, in hindsight, the Drew in for uh, Sergachev deal, and like the. I mean, that was one at the time, too. I'm a big Drew fan, and I thought it was going to work out a little bit better for the Canadians. But giving up Sergachev, I mean, at the time, it felt like a bad idea to give up Sergachev, and it's really, really has not worked out in their favor. So they, <laughs> I, I don't know. He, I, I kind of feel bad for Canadians, Canadians fans, but at the same time, I don't really care. Like, I, I kind of hate the Canadians fans, too. I hate a lot of other teams. We'll get into it. Well, that's, that yeah, shows but, you're a true Flyers fan. Yeah, yeah, just kind of screw everybody except for the Flyers. But, uh, yeah, I mean, can, most Canadian teams I can't stand. I know that we have Canadian listeners, but, like, Montreal. Montreal. I can't Toronto. stand the Leafs. This yeah, the, past the off season, 
the Leafs have never been more insufferable as a, a fan and media base than this offseason. Yeah. Like John Tavares going to them, you'd think it was a Christmas miracle. Oh, wow. John Tavares chose one of the better teams in the league, one of the up-and-coming teams to go to as a free agent. Oh, bless his heart. <laughs> yeah, it's just, oh, man, like, they're... What a bunch of ridiculous crap. They're going to be a fun team, but it's just, like, their fans are going to kill it so much. Like, it, I don't know. Like, I, I know we uh, we have some fans of uh, the Maple Leafs at Broadtree Hockey, but I don't know. Once, once they start winning, we'll, we'll circle back to how their fan base is acting up. <laughs> I imagine they will be the Eagles fans of the NHL when they finally do crack the, uh, <laughs> crack the code it, there. So it has been quite a fun. Oh, it's been uh, yeah, and I've we, been part of that. We have just yeah, been yeah. so obnoxious. Yeah. It's uh, and they it, should, it, and the, you know they should, but at the same time, uh, you know, uh, screw them. I don't, I don't really want to hear from Maple Leafs fans. No. Yeah, yeah. So that's the the uh, that's the golden nice news. Now we I did mention the core prominent top 100 prospects. So naturally I went through and I found. I hope I found all the flyers that were listed there. So Nick Suzuki was 34th, and with ranked at 33rd is Philip Myers. So, so that should give you some idea of how good uh, Nick Suzuki is. So I feel like if you're getting Tom Sitar in a prospect that's in the range of a Philip Myers, you did all right a deal. Uh, Morgan Frost was 50th. Joel Farabee was 82nd, even before he, you know, spends a year with the organization. And then Oscar Lamblon was 94th. Uh, Isaac Ratcliffe and Mikhail Vorobiev were honorable mentions. Uh, I feel like none of these rankings are extremely off. I wonder how Frost is 50th, though. I feel like Frost should be higher, but I didn't really look at this. Uh, I didn't look at the rankings too far in depth, but I, I feel like Frost doesn't get a lot of love when it comes to national rankings like this. But hmm. whatever. I mean, he'll get some. I mean, if he makes the league this year, maybe he'll get a lot more attention. I'll we'll to uh, find out. Now, what the big concern with these rankings are is when it comes to Promen's top five goalies, Ilya Samsonov is number one, which is fine. Uh, Thatcher Demko is number two with the Canucks. I, I can see that. Ilya Sorokin who the Islanders drafted with one of the picks the Flyers gave him in the Andrew McDonald deal, is third. And then Igor Sister, Sisterkin, I don't, I don't really know how to say that name, uh, is fourth. And then Carter Hart is fifth. <laughs> um, You know, I don't get it. I, I feel like Carter Hart should be first or second. I don't know how he's below all these other guys. Uh, but I know... Broadman is not sold on Carter yeah, Hart. Yeah, he's not a big fan of Carter Hart. Hart just came off of one of the best seasons. I think a goaltender sat at any level, just yeah. unbelievable dominance all around. So you'd think he'd get a little more respect, but I guess from what I've read and I've read Brahman's pieces on this, from what I've read, it seems that he acknowledges that Hart has uh, a great deal of hockey IQ, but he is not sold on his physical skills for the position. Yeah. And I mean, that's, Still, even with that, like he's been, I feel like Hart's been compared to Holpe a bit in terms of his mental kind of focus and how he approaches the game and the positioning and just kind of being honed in and just kind of dominating the mental aspects. And I feel like when you watch Holpe, it's the same kind of way. Like whenever Holpe is beat, 
it's just because it's an absurd shot. It's not really Holfield's like flopping around out there. And when he gets beat, he doesn't really have any kind of crazy reaction because he he's trying to take it all in stride, I guess. And I feel like Carter Hart is regarded the same way. But even with that said, I feel like he still has, like in the game today, he still had a couple of ridiculous physical plays, like athletic plays. And yeah, I don't know, man. I have no idea. But I, I, as I said before, you'd have to think a guy coming off of the season he had would get more respect. But there's something about him that Bronman just is not a fan of. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know what it is. He, yeah, I mean, this go, this goes back to uh, the, the rankings where he, he ranked all the uh, the teams in the league. Like where each uh, team's farm system ranks across the rest of the league, and they had the Flyers twelfth, and that was because he didn't value goalies a lot. But it turns out he doesn't value Carter Hart a lot. I think looking at these other guys, though, like if you look at the other guys, Sorokin and uh, Shesterkin, I really don't know how to say his name. Shesterkin. Just pronounce it like the Swedish chef; you'll be fine. (laughs) Uh, They are, but they both had pretty successful seasons in the KHL. Which I mean, that's uh, I guess higher level of uh, offensive competition. Not really as much defensive help. And Carter Hart is—I mean, he's played a couple of years in WHL, and also the Everett Silvertips apparently are well regarded when it comes to their comes to their defensive system. So that probably doesn't help Hart in terms of uh, hyping him up, I guess, at success at the next level. But he really. I mean, I, I guess Hart would have to have played in the NCAA before he jumped to the AHL to kind of get prom and other guys' attentions. But, um, I mean, at the WHL level, he's kind of – there's literally nothing else he could have done. Like, literally nothing. I mean, he was named the goalie of the year a bunch of times. He was named the player of the year. Uh, and he, he posted ridiculous numbers throughout his entire WHL career. So maybe if he had played like Thatcher Demko, he was Thatcher Demko was drafted um, back in 2014, I think. Yeah, 2014, and he has spent the last couple of years at Boston College, and he's posted pretty good numbers, pretty decent numbers at Boston College. And then uh, this year he spent most of the year in the AHL at Utica, and he had a 9.22 save percentage. So, like he's. I can get that one too. Like I, I guess I can get all of them, but I just feel like I don't know. Carter Hart's not getting a lot of love from Corey. Maybe, uh, maybe that'll change this year. I feel like if he posts ridiculous numbers in the AHL, that that'll change. Like he'll be at the top of the list next year. Maybe, okay. uh, whatever. At this point, but <laughs> it, it's just it's a Todd. There's something yeah, odd yeah. about it. Yeah, it is. Well, actually, like looking at it, uh, Samsonov I think should be the backup with the Caps this year. I think that's what the talk is. And then Demko should be in the, it looks like Demko could be in the NHL too. So they're not going to be on the prospects list. And if Hart does pretty well in the AHL and Sorokin and uh, Shesterkin are still in the KHL, then I don't know why Hart wouldn't be number one. If he's number five next year, then you and I are going to have Corey on the show and just yell at him. <laughs> just start off with the the classic Kurt line of "How dare you?" and then just go from there. How dare you? How dare you? Where do you get off? <laughs> what? First of all, Corey, what's your fucking deal? Second of all, <laughs> who do you think you are? <laughs> yeah, just no questions related to hockey. Just <laughs> who hurt you, Corey? Just tell us. 
<laughs> want to find out where the source of anger and pain is coming from. Uh, yeah. I mean, buddy, I, uh, I I'm ready to pass out, and I don't know if uh, we still get around the league, but I don't know how long of a long of an episode we're working on here, but. Craig, we can keep it a little short this time. Oh. It's okay. I, I find it upsetting that we finally have actually have like hockey news to talk about. And then my body's like, no, man, you need like 13 hours of sleep tonight. I'm like, hey, thanks. <laughs> this is uh, we'll talk about it. It's not your fault. 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 What is your fault, however, is around the league. Let's do it. Let's start off around the league with a topic we all want to talk about. Austin Watson being suspended 27 games for hitting his wife. So let's move on from that one. Um, <laughs> Obviously, I'm not laughing at the very serious the, issue that happened. You know, I wanted to talk about well, it. Let's move on from this yeah, one. Uh, he, I believe he had a no contest in court in July. And apparently the NHL could only offer out 27 games. Not a big fan of that amount. Maybe it should be a little bit more if he's openly yeah. admitting that he hit his wife. But, you know. Maybe a ban? Yeah, I don't no, know. Neither here nor there. Uh, we'll see if Slava Voynov's back in the league this year, too. So, look, good look at it, Joe. Uh, Blake Wheeler extension, five years, $8.25 million a year, starting next season, not this season. Uh, kind of an older guy. I think he's 32. So, this will carry on to 37 years. Old. Uh, and... I, you know, we've talked about Wheeler a bit on here and how he could have quietly been a dark horse for the MVP this year. Uh, at the same time, the Jets are going to have to pay some people next season. Uh, Line A, Patrick Line, Kyle Connor, and Jacob Trouba are all RFAs after this season. And uh, oh boy, they might survive next season, but they're eventually going to have to give those people real money to keep them on their professional hockey team. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, and I don't know if they have other people they can move quite easily. I feel like Trouba's going to get dealt. That's really what's going to be the shakedown there. And maybe there, there's probably some other forwards they can move there. But maybe Brian Little. Uh, another extension is Noah Hannafin, who got traded to the Flames this, this offseason. Uh, signed six years, $4.95 million a year. Uh, and then you also have another lesser valued trade or less exciting, I should say. Adam McQuay got dealt to the New York Rangers for Steve Camfer, a 2019 fourth, and a 2019 conditional seventh. Uh, McQuay had one goal and three assists for four points in 38 games last year. Minus 5.05 relative course four percentage. So he sounds good at his job. Uh, Steve Connor-Walchuk, named amateur scout with the New York Rangers, uh, served that role with the Ducks in 2017-18, but was fired at the end of the season. Uh, obviously, Connor Walchuk, known for being a Washington Capitol, and then also, I think, a season or two with the Avalanche. Uh, the New York Islanders looked at the former great Philadelphia Flyers defensemen of the past, and they were like, we need to get some of that. And they're giving. They looked at the Flyers from a little over a decade ago and said, give me some. Yeah, they were like, hey, who was like the fifth best defenseman on the Flyers in like 2008? All right, sign him. So, uh, who's that guy who was involved in the Pronger trade? No, not not that, not Lupul, not the guy that Toronto blackballed. The other guy. So uh, Luca fucking Spisa and Dennis Seidenberg have PTOs with the Islanders. Uh, Luca Spisa somehow had 14 points last year, which what? I 
I dude, I don't even know. They, they, they said that on a website that had NHL stats, and I I had to double check a couple times. But 14 points in 30 games. Uh, but he's also terrible. What's the more shocking uh, factoid there? The 14 points or the 30 games? Oh, the the 14 points. I mean, the the fact he didn't play a lot is probably because he's. I think he was injured quite a bit last year. He's always injured. Yeah, but he is uh, routinely bad in terms of uh, uh, underlying numbers. And also he had a hilariously bad play on the Lars Eller goal that lost Vegas the Cup. So, uh, yeah, bring him on in. Uh, Dennis Soddenberg had five assists in 28 games last season. Same thing. I think he was just, I think he was scratched, actually. Seems uh, perfect for Lou's new look Islanders. Uh, a minus 7.44 relative Corsi 4%. So, yeah, you better believe it. He sounds ideal for Ooh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Lou's, Lou's army over there. Uh, Drew, Stafford, <laughs> Drew Stafford, PTO with the Devils. He's going back to Jersey. 15 Another points. exciting player over here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 15 points in 59 games last season. Alex Chazon at PTO with Edmonton. He had 18 points in 61 games last season for the Caps. Two points in 16 playoff games. And then, Steven, it's 2018. And we're going to talk about Ty again for a second, who signed a... Time again? Time and time again. Oh, oh, yeah. That was a... You remember when there was a slight Twitter war over... Oh, God. Yeah, continue. Who exactly coined time and time again? Oh, what what a time to be alive. What a time... Signed a one-year deal with the Manitoba Moose, who are the Jets AHL affiliate. Uh, he had a cool 23 points in 55 AHL games last year. Uh, and the last time he was in the NHL, he played a pair of games for the Lightning in 2015-16, did not register a point. Uh, now, if I'm not mistaken, time again got some first line time with the Flyers back oh, in the day. He was the leading goal scorer for an early part of the 2013-14 season because that's where the state of the Flyers were before Hextall came along. I don't know, do you remember that? Cuz I think I was I was talking with somebody on Twitter about that the other day. Uh like the first 8 games when the Flyers started 1-7 and 0 and they literally could not score goals and time again had 3 goals. And then they sent, <laughs> they sent him down, and people were outraged at time. Oh, I remember uh, the, them sending him down. What people were like, the what are you doing? Was this team for a while. Like, that was a thing that happened to us. We as a fan base endured a time again needs to be on this team outrage. Like, you now, know what? <laughs> you know what? Ron made this team boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, now we already have Pro Roth and Gosfer on the top pair. We're going to be possibly looking at Myers for like a couple games. We have Travis Konechny, yeah. who is Carter one of the most. Coming up. We have Nolan Patrick. Konechny is just one of the most exciting jerk flyers we've seen in a while. Oh God, he's so yeah. I'm excited for. I'm excited God, for this. It's uh, just such a good jerk. Eastern Conference Finals games against uh, the Maple Leafs, where the Toronto time, media just loses their mind over Konechny because he laid out Matthews as a clean check or something. I'm excited for it. I can taste it. I'm ready. I can't wait. Get out. Inject it into my veins. Yeah, Jack, that I'd be in my veins right now because I'm pretty. Uh, Jeff Glass, PTO with the Calgary Flames, drafted by. So Jeff Glass obviously was the one of the bigger like feel good stories last year because he was drafted by the Sens in 2004. Just couldn't work his way into an NHL spot for a while, and then with the Blackhawks last year as a 32 year old, he finally got in some action. Didn't post the best numbers, but you know, uh, still made the league, and it's not the worst guy to give it a PTO to. 
Uh, ben Scrivens retired. Spent last two seasons in the KHL. Had a five-year NHL career. Shining moment was the 59-save shutout against the uh, San Jose Sharks back in 2013-14, where the the Oilers were outshot 59 to 27, and they won three to nothing thanks to Ben Scrivens. Could you imagine Scrivy as his friends like to call him? Could you imagine putting 59 shots on Ben Scrivens and not scoring a single goal? Like as I mean, a I'm team, a fan. Of, I'm a fan of the Flyers, so yes, I can imagine this very vividly. Like as a team, I, I forget. I think that was still the uh, Doug McClellan uh, phase. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh my god, is that his first name? I'm like blanking right now. It's Doug McClellan, right? Who are you talking about? The Oilers coach now, Todd McClellan. Oh my god. Yeah, Todd McClellan. <laughs> with the Doug, you had me all confused. I am Mi- mixing them up with Doug Waite. Uh, I don't even, dude. I don't even know right now. I, do, I mean, it doesn't really matter if I mix up Todd McClellan's first name. I mean, what has he done? Honestly, he's he's lost a lot of games and he's he's ruining Connor McDavid right now. But yeah, I feel like Todd McClellan just walked into the locker room after a game and they're like, guys, you know what just happened? <laughs> you, oh ben. wait, you must be thinking of former. Sixers center Todd McCullough. Oh man, what a time! Yeah, he was he was pretty good. Back when he uh, was he was very large and Canadian. Him and uh, George and Lynch and Eric Snell, all those uh, that routed crew back then. <laughs> Theo Ratliff. Oh, that's a name. That's a good basketball name. Chris Kelly named to the Ottawa coaching staff as a de- development coach. Obviously, Chris Kelly played a lot for the Senators and the Bruins. Uh, three former NHLers are going to Avangard Omsk in the KHL, and they are Chris Versteeg, Alexei Emelin, and Cody Franzen. The Christopher Steeg? Chris, Chris the mouthpiece for Steeg, uh, is going to join Max Talbot and Evgeny Medvedev on Avangard Omsk. Omsk. And they have, they have a bunch of uh, former NHLers, actually. They got Talbot, Medvedev, David Dayarnay, Vili Poka, and uh, Kari Rama. Christopher Stieg forever remembered in the Flyers community for being the worst chemistry trade of all time. Oh, yeah, correct. Okay. There are a couple aspects I remember Christopher Stieg. I remember that. I remember, uh, I think Crossing Prod actually broke the story of it. And everybody was like, no, that's not a real trade. Like, your Crossing Prod turns out. Actually nailed it. Uh, and then I remember Christopher Stieg starting the play that Billy Lano scored for the Game 6 overtime winner. Against the Sabers, so he's got he's, he's got a little bit of history with the Flyers, a little bit, a little no, bit. Not, not, not too much, a little bit though. Um, and then maybe my favorite story uh, of the entire past two weeks: the Washington Capitals were asked by uh, Phil Pritchard, the guy who you know guards the cup and everything, uh, to stop doing keg stands. Which, <laughs> I hadn't heard this. God damn, I mean that's. They're doing it right. That's I, I there's there's nothing else to the story. Like that's it. They're just stopped asking to they they're they're asked to stop uh just going so hard, I guess, and celebrating their their Stanley Cup, which I mean, that's great. I'm happy for them. That's good. That's good stuff right there. Dave I it's one of those things I wanna be I wanna hate the caps so much. I, but I really yeah. respect how hard they partied with the cup. Yeah, I think I think my like my initial or like my hate during the run was immediately canceled out when I saw Vetchkin's reaction and then 
all of the brotastic celebrations that have gone along with it that have cracked me up. So I think I'm I'm at peace with the Capitals winning. I mean, again, I'm not going to be cool with them winning again, but this one time around, I think it was it was pretty funny to me, and I can go with it. Also, it's at the expense of the Penguins too, as well. Yeah, and Pittsburgh's miserable about this. Yeah. And if Pittsburgh's miserable, I'm happy. Pittsburgh should be miserable in general because of their sad sack city. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. And also, when you tie the Cleveland Browns. Tie the fucking Browns. I feel like you should be upset about stuff. But, you know, it's fine. They're, they're fine over there. They don't have any problems going on with that other team. So, uh, Nine draft picks were dealt in an OHL deal. This is just something interesting I wanted to throw in here. The Peterborough Peets of the OHL acquired seven draft picks and two compensatory picks. For Will Cuyel, Cuyel, C-U-Y-L-L-E, I don't know how to say it, but he had uh, 62 points as a forward in 43 games for the Toronto Marlboros in the Greater Toronto Minor Midget Hockey League, which the, the Marlboros are actually a big deal. But at the same time, it was 62 points in 43 games. And I don't believe uh, Cole is supposed to be a McDavid type or anything. Or Jack Hughes, like you thought, supposed to be an amazing, uh, like mega prospect. So to hear that nine draft picks for Dell Form is kind of crazy. Uh, one first, four seconds, three thirds, and a fifth for one player. Huh. Just kind of insane. And then also, uh, pop culture news that it does relate to the Flyers a little bit, but Mac Miller passed away. And uh, I just think of uh, Bill said it on the show. He started the show with it, and I still think of it. Uh, that the Flyers 2011-12 season when they used to play knock-knock after every win. Probably the last time this team was a lot of fun. In my opinion. Unless you had a lot of fun during the lockout short in the season. Or I've had periods during of fun. Peruvian. I've had periods of fun too. I just think that was the last... I think it was the last time it was fun and the Flyers were winning, which made it more... Right. Fun, I, guess. Like, I, stupid I, I get that. Everybody like Laviolette, yeah. Brzezgalov was talking about the universe, humongous big, great. Yeah, yeah it's, I don't know. I, I'm at the point where like, I just, it, it, for me, and I've explained these thoughts before, for me, it's a relief to see the Flyers being sensible and, and making oh, definitely, definitely. good decisions for the first time ever. But there is a fun aspect to that insane era where Paul Holmgren was like, you know what? Let's bring in the 40-year-old Yager who hasn't played in the <laughs> NHL in a couple of years. Uh, yeah, let's get Brizgalov. You know, he's been terrible in the playoffs forever, but he might be good for us. Yeah. And uh, I think it was. Who, who was the guy in the knock-knock clip, the primary dancing guy who the Flyers got in the round where they Steven? should have gotten Subban? Steven. It's Kevin Marshall. Kevin, The Kevin Marshall. Kevin Marshall, yeah. I mean, how do you not remember the K-Man? <laughs> the K-Man. <laughs> I did not remember Kmart. He was a he was a defensive player back there on the blue line. Yep, taken two picks before Subban in the 2007 draft, I believe. And uh, yeah, he was. That's the only good thing he did for the Flyers was dance to knock knock. But I think that was why they were fun too. Is it was 24 seven. I always hyped about the Winter Classic before they uh, before they lost. Uh, and the playoff series against the Penguins. Like when I think of knock knock, I think of that. Like all of that, like that whole season was just kind of ridiculous from beginning to end, and it was also like Giroux, uh jumped into the spotlight. Really, like Drew had been good in the past, but that was like this first year where he really like broke out 
had 93 points and had a bunch of highlight real plays. Pulled out the Datsuk against the Maple Leafs. The Flyers had a, another gigantic win against the Maple Leafs where they won like 7-2. to two. They beat the Blue Jackets and Steve Mason 9-2. to two. Like They just had a, a bunch of ridiculous stuff that season. And I feel like, uh, I don't know. Now that they're more sensible, it's not quite as, I don't want to say fun. It's just not as chaotically fun. I don't know if chaotically is a word. Fair. But That's yeah, fair. You get the idea. Is chaotically a word? It's not. Let's go with it. Fly purple is not a word. It's true. But it is a podcast that I share Ooh. with my good friend, Stephen M. Jacot. Well, you know, close enough. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm taking a shot in the dark. Uh, that's uh... actually you got you did get the middle initial right. Did it really? You did. Uh, I'm gonna say um, Marmaduke is your middle name. It is. I'm named after Fuck the you, cartoon strip dog <laughs> who's always laying on furniture and like Marmaduke. <laughs> by the way, Marmaduke, voiced by Owen Wilson. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I we've a hundred percent talked about Marmaduke on this uh this podcast. I, I I'm pretty sure I've watched Marmaduke on this podcast. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. So uh fly probably. Some flyers talk, a lot of Marmaduke talk, a lot of old Wilson talk. <laughs> if you have any well gifts to send to Craig, the best place to send them is nice. on Twitter. Fucking you can follow Craig. Killing it with a sweet segue right before we get out of here. That's what I do, yeah, buddy. I like That's it. what I do. We you can follow Craig yeah. on Twitter yeah. at Sports Are Bad. Yeah, I mean that's all I got. I, I I put out the article about the camp invites, but that's kind of uh not really relevant now. But you can still read up about them on the website. Uh, check them out. Check them out. Sports are bad. Yeah, sports are bad. Yeah, sports are bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, Bert, sports are bad. <laughs> you can follow me at Flyperbole. I run the fly probably account, or you can follow me at Estee bomb where I probably won't talk about hockey, but you're more than welcome to follow me. That's yeah, a good, that's a good, um, not that you get radical tweets, but that's a good warning. That a personal I'm very account. woke. Yeah. The, the most woke. <laughs> Wokest. Hashtag stay woke. Hashtag <laughs> also be sure to follow the BSH radio account and broad street hockey. And, uh, Hey, I appeared on the the Broad Street Hockey Radio yeah, yeah. podcast this week. Yeah, check that out. Filling up for Steph. Yeah, nor- normally Craig is the one that does that. So uh, I, I stepped in for, for Steph this time and uh, had a great time. So thanks to uh, Bill, Kelly, and Charlie for having me on. I will say, I don't think... That was your second time, right? Second time, yes. Yeah, I've only been on uh, uh, three times. I like I'm blowing out of the waters here. And also, I mean, I was upset because I wanted to make, uh, I want us to have that almost crossover with me and you and uh, Kelly, Bill, and Charlie. But I, I think we'll get together and do a crossover episode sometime soon. Yeah, 100%. 100%. We got we got to get game show together, too. Oh, yeah, we do need to do that. Yeah, that's, I mean, we'll figure that out once we. Uh, we'll figure that out. We got There's some logistics that have to happen for that. But if any bars are listening that want to host, fly probably live game show, then uh, please get in contact with us. And uh, the best place is on Twitter as we stated. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, a quick little shout out from me. 
Uh, I just wanted to say I had uh, tweeted a link to this the other day, but our uh, friend uh, Kim Pollock, who we used to work with uh, on Flyers Faithful, is raising money for Paws. So uh, if you could visit the link I had tweeted out the other day, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Any donations to Paws would be appreciated. Uh, same. I tweet. I retweeted that a couple days ago, and I, don't, I haven't been tweeting a lot lately, so you can probably find it on my feed as well. Yeah, and I'll send it out again. Uh, yeah. Because Paws is a great cause, and uh, who doesn't love dogs? Yeah. And cats, I guess, but dogs. Yeah, mainly dogs. Mainly dogs. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> this, is a, this is a pro-dog podcast, yeah. Pro, pro-dog podcast, yeah. 100%. And uh, sentimental note, I just wanted to uh, thank my dear girlfriend for putting up with me for, for five whole years now. Good God. <laughs> poor. Poor girl. <laughs> poor, poor woman. Jeez. She's a saint. <laughs> Can you imagine putting up with this weird stuff every day? It's no, it's a waking night. I can barely do it once a week. You barely can do it once I a week, and then as soon as we end, I just start drinking and just forget what happened. So you just you tell me to you just say fuck <laughs> off and you hang up. Hey Steve, can you shut up? I got a shotgun like ten beers right now. <laughs> hey, uh, how about you drink a tall can and shut the hell up? <laughs> now, well, congrats. Five years is uh, quite a bit of time. Quite a bit of time, uh, it, you know, it, too long for her. It's just a waking nightmare. <laughs> I was going to say, thank God you corrected that statement. <laughs> We're just like, yeah, too long. For her. But yeah. <laughs> Things are good on my end, but, it, you know, she's living in hell. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. R.I.P.D., no. <laughs> We're not ending on R.I.P.D., but I guess we are. So, in the words of Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds... <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. In the words of the great Gene Hart, as always, good night and good hockey. Wow. Hello, everybody. This is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things. Like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell. And Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>